Well, it's been kind of a journey if you've been around here for the last four weeks. Uh, we've seen some pretty strange things in Ezekiel. I don't know if you've read through Ezekiel yet. If you haven't read through it, I want to encourage you after today, go back and read through it. Our prayer is that these, these messages, these teachings over these five weeks will help you better understand this strange books, this strange book with really weird things by this really weird guy and probably has kept you from not even kept you from reading it for years because if you've read it and even if you've read through it it's like I have no idea what I just read and what this means and hopefully this series has helped you come to understand that in the midst of this confusion in the midst of this judgment there is actually hope in the book of Ezekiel the underlying message in all of this book is one of hope even in the midst of chaos and, and, and turmoil and devastation, there is hope. And the first week we saw this weird vision of a, a throne chariot coming out into the land of exile that God was with his people. And then in the second week we got this image of his people being called a prostitute, selling themselves to the other nations. And in week three we see that there are these evil shepherds, horrible shepherds that have been guiding the children of Israel. And last week we get this image of dry bones in the valley symbolizing the devastation back in Jerusalem. But in the midst of all of these scenes, in the midst of all of these things, there's hope. We see that even in the beginning when God's passing judgment on his people, there's still hope. And even in the middle of the book where God is passing judgment on the nations that brought devastation and, and destruction to his people, that there's still hope. And then we go on in the book and find that there is hope for God's people, but there's also this judgment that is continuing. And we see there's not only hope for God's people, but there's hope for God for the nations that have been persecuting. And we see a God who is just and is true to his word, not just in punishing sin, but in also restoring his creation and, and bringing life to his creation. We see God's love poured out to the entire world in Ezekiel. And today we're brought into chapter 47 where we're shown this river of life that God has shown Ezekiel sometime that there's going to be a new temple, there's going to be new things that happen. In fact, we read in chapter 40 through 48, we see this picture of God actually returning to his temple, the temple being restored at a time in the future. And we see God himself actually returning to the temple and coming into the temple through the eastern gate. Remember that because that's important later. God is making a clear picture to his children in Israel, in Babylon, to the people of Babylon, through the prophet Ezekiel, that something new is coming. Something great is coming. There's a time where, look at everything around you, God is making everything new. That's the promise that God makes through Ezekiel. Starting in chapter 47, he says to everyone, I am making everything new. And you can hear the children of Israel as they listen to this vision that Ezekiel has from them cry out, when, Lord, when? When will you do these things? 
And still today, the children of Israel look forward to a day when that temple will be built in Jerusalem. They look forward and hold to the promise of that new temple and their restoration as a people on the earth. But when we read Ezekiel, we can see their understanding. But the good news today is that we have more than Ezekiel. We have Jesus. We have the New Testament, and it testifies and clarifies and enlightens what we read in Ezekiel. So today, those of you that know the story of Jesus can't help but see things in the story of Ezekiel that the children of Israel would not have seen, would not know of Jesus. They would know of a promised Messiah. They would know of a, of a future, but they would still be crying, When, Lord? When will this happen? And God says, it will happen. And as we've seen over and over again, as you study God's word, as we've seen in this series, God is faithful to his word. It is impossible for God to lie. He is always faithful. He promises restoration for his people. He promises restoration for the nations. And now in chapter 47 and 48, he's saying there's going to be hope for creation. We get this picture of him recreating what was originally intended. That God is going to plant a new garden. He's going to make it. He's going to make everything new again. And that word new there isn't just making it new, something that wasn't, something that becomes brand new, something that didn't exist. But the word there is more of this idea that this quality of life, this quality that didn't exist before. What was dead is now alive. What was thought hopeless is now hope-filled. And so God is making what was old, what was destroyed, what was beyond hope in our minds, something new, bringing it back to life. And how he will do this, we read, is through this river that flows out of the temple. Do you remember what was said in Ezekiel 47 about where the water was coming from? It was coming from the eastern side of the temple, the gate with which God enters his temple. From that side flows this river out of the temple. And it flows to the east. And the picture we have is that this temple, where God now resides, there is water flowing out of the temple from where God resides to the lands to the east. And the picture we have of this river is one that is like a trickle. <laughs> it's just this small trickle of water that as he's taken down the river, the prophet is shown further and further down that it becomes wider and it becomes deeper. First it's up to his ankles and then it's up to his knees and then it comes up to his waist and now it's deep enough that he can swim in it. And the river is just getting wider and wider and wider to the point that he says no one can cross it. No one, not even him. He says, I can't cross it. In fact, nobody can cross this river. It's so wide. And all starting from that little trickle of water. We kind of get that imagery, don't we? If you live here in the United States, if, if you've done any geography study at all, you'll know that the Mississippi River begins up in northern Minnesota in this lake called Lake Itasca. And where it starts, it flows out of this lake, and it's just not very wide. 
And at, at its deepest place right there, it's like 18 inches deep. And you go online, you see pictures of people just wading in the Mississippi. And it doesn't look like the Mississippi. It looks like the creek in my neighborhood. But yet, as it continues down the United States and to the Gulf of Mexico, it becomes wider and wider and wider. And as it gets to the Gulf, in some places in Louisiana, it's two miles wide. And in some of the deepest places, it's like 400 feet deep. And you see in the Gulf, or the, or the port of New Orleans, huge container ships. And it's massive. But see, there's a difference between that river and the river we see in Ezekiel. In this river, the Mississippi, you see in this Mississippi Valley all of these other rivers flowing into the Mississippi, the Missouri and the Ohio and the Arkansas River and all these other rivers that feed into those rivers that make up what's called the mighty Mississippi. But yet, this river that we see in Ezekiel only has a single source, and it starts with a trickle. But the key thing is the source of the water. The source of this water is God himself. There need be no other tributaries that feed into it. It's the, it's the power of God that goes out from the temple, and we're told wherever it goes, it brings life wherever it flows. Whatever it touches, there's life. Did you see that in the text where Ezekiel's going and he's so focused on the water that the water's getting deeper and the water's getting wider and he comes out of the water and the, and the spirit says, and the angel says, look, and he looks up and there are trees. It's like I totally missed all the trees because I was so focused on the water. But look at all of these trees. And they give you this image of, of what this means of, of these trees growing and there's life in the trees for God's people. And you can hear the children of Israel as this story is being shared going, when, Lord? Like, when? When will this happen? This sounds marvelous. When will this happen? And he goes on to tell them that when this river appears, it's going to keep flowing, and it's going to go flowing down, and it's the Jordan Valley is where it flows through. And to get there, if you look at the geography, this river has to flow and actually go up over mountains and then come down. But there's an, interesting, there's an interesting prophecy in Zechariah where it says actually mountains will be split. And so you get this imagery that this, this water will, will find its way down into the valley, that it will actually carve its way through mountains, and if not over mountains... And as it comes down into the valley, it comes into contact with this sea. And we're told that this sea is salty, and there's no life in it. And, and in some of your texts, and I know in the ESV it doesn't identify the sea, but in the NIV that I read and others, and, and scholars certainly believe that what they're talking about is it's, it's the Dead Sea. When it, where it enters the Dead Sea when it goes into Arabah. And when, when it does, it will... It will provide life wherever the river flows. So where the river flows, everything will live. People will fish along the shore. And there will be fish of all kinds into this dead sea. See, God's 
river that flows from the temple isn't just hope for his people, isn't just hope for the nations, but it's hope for creation. It's, it's making this world new. It's bringing life to destruction, the thing, this world where we see hurricanes and earthquakes and all kinds of devastation and tornadoes. We're getting this picture that maybe those things are going to end, that there's going to be actually life given to this creation. We read in elsewhere in text that all of creation groans with great expectation for things to be made new again. And we're told that the Dead Sea at this time will come to life. In fact, it will come to life and have fish in it, just like the Mediterranean. Today, the Dead Sea, and then there was no life. The only thing that lives in that sea are some type of plankton and, and, and plants that live on the edge, but there is no life in the sea because of the salt in the sea. Nothing can live. But yet, they would have known that. They knew this sea. And yet Ezekiel is saying, this sea is going to come to life. And again, they're going, when? When? That's our one question is, when is this going to happen? When? But he doesn't stop there. He says, and when it happens, there are going to be fishermen, and there are going to be fishing, and there's going to be fish drawn out of this lake, out of this sea, out of this sea of death will come life. And there will be fish and there will be sustenance for the people and you will be full and there will be all the fish you can catch. And there will be life in the land. And again, the people are saying, when, God, when? Well, as we know from the story, it would be years and years and years and years. In fact, today the Dead Sea it's still a dead sea. So the time that Ezekiel is speaking of has not yet come. But this story in Ezekiel isn't just pointing to a time in the future. This story in Ezekiel is also pointing to a time in the past. And it's reminding us of the character of God once again. It's a time of God creating. In the story of Ezekiel, we see this picture of God recreating what was old will be made new what was dead will come to life does that sound familiar from an old story in genesis where we see god creating and calling things into existence things that were not creating everything we see from things that were not and we see god calling life to be and we're told that there was a river that flowed from eden and it was the headwaters for the four great rivers, the Tigris, the Euphrates, the Pishon, and the Gihon. That area that's called the Fertile Crescent brought life. It's this picture of a God who loves to create and bring into existence things that were not. This picture in Ezekiel is of a time of yet to come. It's a time where God promises to make all things new again. And you know they're crying, when, Lord? When? And this picture of Ezekiel and the promise that God made in the garden and he makes throughout Scripture is for a time that is coming. And we read about that 
in the reading that you heard Walt read a little bit earlier from Revelation chapter 22. But before we get there, I want you to hear this text from Revelation chapter 21. The disciple John, the apostle John, has been given this vision. And he's been brought up into this vision to see things of the future and to see things that God is showing him. And it is Jesus that is speaking to him. It is Jesus revealing the future to John and to us. And this is what he says toward the end of this book. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. So those of you who like to, like to sail and, and sit at the beach, there's no sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and, they will, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. These are words that we hear often read at funerals. They're words that we read because they're words of hope. They're words of hope for the living. That this is not all there is. They're words of hope that things one day will be put new, will be put right, will be put back to the way things were. God is faithful to his promise. And here we're told that one day, one day things will be as they should be because God said they would. And then he goes on to tell them, he who is seated on the throne, and we know him to be Jesus, said, I am making everything new. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them, prepare and make a place, and when he was finished, he would come back and take them to be with him where he is. That promise is for you and I. This new heaven, this new earth that God is preparing is for us and those who believe in him. He's preparing this life for us. It is a place that we can look forward to. It is a place where we know things will be as they are. And he prepares this place and tells us about this place to remind us this place is in heaven. Heaven is yet to come. This place is not heaven, nor was it ever intended to be. You were read in that text earlier about the sea, right? And the Dead Sea. Because there's too much salt in the sea. But we're told that even in the marshes, there's going to, it will be salty, and it will be used for salt, because salt is a good thing. But too much salt will kill you. The message is clear that we make created things into ultimate things. We make things that were intended for our good into horrible things and ultimate things, and they become death to us. 
And this picture that he's given to the children of Israel and he gives to us today is the mistake we make is we try to make this place into heaven. And it isn't. This is a good place and can be better. But the best is yet to come. There's hope. Do not allow what you see. Do not allow your circumstances, the things in this world, to fool you into thinking that God isn't watching. Because we see he is making everything new. He sees and he cares. And he is working. Do not think he is not working. He goes on to say this. He says, To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life. To the thirsty, to those who are dry and parched in this weary land, to those he will give life. That is the water that's flowing from the temple. That is the water that flows into life. That he offers freely. And then we get this vision in 22 where it says, The angel showed me this river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb down the middle of the great street. And on each side the river stood a tree of life. How has that happened? A single tree on both sides of the river. And then he says, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. There's no winter in heaven. There's fruit every month. It's not cold. I don't know about you, but that's really good news to me. No? Maybe there's snow up in the hills. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Everywhere the river flows, there brings life and healing. And we go on to read that there'll be no sun because the glory of God will give us light. There is a day that's coming that will be magnificent and beautiful. But I know the question that you're asking, and it's like, so when, Lord? When? Because this is a dry and weary land. And I'm getting tired of wearing masks. And I'm getting tired of hearing what's going on in foreign lands, and I'm just weary and beat up. And when, Lord? When will this come? Well, Jesus says, That time has come. He offers healing and life now. For those of you that know Jesus, you know the life-giving force that he offers and that he has given you, that spirit that lives in you. Now you are called the temple of God. And Jesus says to anyone who will hear, let all who are thirsty come to me and drink. Now. Not then. Now. He makes the offer to everyone who will listen, come to me and drink. There are no, like, qualifications. There are no stipulations. He says, come to me and drink. And I will give you life. Remember, Jesus came not to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And the offer is to everyone. Come to me. So my question to you this morning is, are you thirsty? 
Are you thirsty? Have you been drinking from what looks like this beautiful water? Only that this water continues to just shrivel you up on the inside. Continues to dry you up and, and you find yourself scraping by. You find yourself trying to put on the outer armor that makes you look presentable, but on the inside you're just barely getting by. Are you thirsty today? Jesus says, come to me and drink. Is there this picture of God that you have in your mind that needs to be refreshed? Is there this picture of, that you have of who God is that needs to be made alive again? Because you've gotten this picture of God that is completely all wrong, are you willing today to sit and be still and allow him to challenge your vision of who he is? Because you look at the world around you, you've come to believe that he doesn't care or that he doesn't exist or that he doesn't see you or that you don't matter. Is there, can, can he challenge you today? To, to, is, there a, is there a vision of yourself that needs to be refreshed? Is there this view that you have of yourself that, that needs new life? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you living water. Is there a relationship in your life that needs new life, that needs refreshing? Is there someone in your family, someone that's in your neighborhood, maybe someone sitting right next to you today? Is there a relationship in, in, that needs to be made new? Jesus says, come to me. And I will give you living water. And we think about that, and it just seems like, well, that just seems so easy. That just seems, but that's what Jesus says come to me. Test me. See if I'm not trustworthy. But will you be still? Will you allow him to challenge the way you think and what you see and what you believe is possible? Will, will you sit? in the midst of a small group? Will you stop resisting that urge to run and flee? But will you sit long enough to sit with other people that are struggling with the same things you are struggling? Will you allow yourself to sit and be reminded of the love that God has for you and, and, and to be reminded of the promise of God? Will you allow Him to challenge you Will you allow him to bring new life into you? Because here's what happens. This is the promise that he makes. When you come to him, all those who believe in him, when you keep coming to him out of you, then flows living water. Remember, you are the temple of God, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that you now are the temple of God because the Holy Spirit lives in you? The water we see in Ezekiel, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, is a picture of God's church in this time. The source is God himself, but as the word spreads, as the nude spreads, the river just gets bigger and bigger and wider and deeper, and that's the church. And eventually it changes the world and it brings life to the world. And the river continues to get bigger. And we 
are from where the water flows. That Holy Spirit that lives in us, Jesus says, come to me and out of you will spring rivers of living water. So wherever we go, we are called to bring new life into the world around us, into the relationships that we have. The question is, who do you know that is thirsty today? Who do you know that's dried up on the inside and and trying to hold it together on the outside and so desperately needs the love of Jesus? You have living water within you. And he calls you to go and make dead come to life with the power of Jesus that exists in you. Remember the picture Jesus gave his disciples? Follow me, he said, and I'll make you fishers of people. Remember that image of the river? It's lined with people fishing. We've been made fishers of men and women and children. We have been called to go, those who believe in Jesus, and and share the living water that has made us alive. If you're thirsty today, Jesus says, come. He beckons all to continue to come. At the end of Revelation, we read the Spirit and the Bride. It's the Spirit and the church, as we're called. Say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life, let them come. The free gift of life comes from Jesus. And he offers us that every day. To begin every day anew with the water of life. Every day he beckons you, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And from your life will flow springs of living water. Springs of life giving water to a dry and weary land. You, we, the church, are the hope of the world. And Jesus calls us to follow him into this world. To bring life where there once was none. My prayer for us this morning is that his word would shake us and rattle us. That we would go from this place renewed And know that Jesus is with us. If you are here today and you are still searching, I want you to hear Jesus sees you. And he offers you this free gift of life today. Would you pray with me?